This is our third part of this selfdom series. And no, I didn't make that word up. It's a real word. And this is this concept of your selfhood. The area of you that you have rule and dominion over. Guess what? You're a ruler. You're in charge of you. And as you are your own little autonomous nation of yourself. And you have these connections with all of these other individual nations. These other people and these connections. And what us ultimately this thing about being a Christ follower is all about is about our selfdom coming fully into his kingdom and being brought in and allowed who he is to be expressed in us. We don't we don't all of a sudden dissolve in this. You're still you, but you're the you God intended you to be. That that is what this concept is about. And we've been looking at this. And well, what does it look like? And we talked about that last week of what God's going to grow in our lives when we allow him to be at work. And today we're going to talk about what I'm just calling the naturalization process. We're using all these government stuff. Remember I told you I have a degree from ASU in government. And so I finally get to geek out and use all my a little bit of my education on this sermon series. And so... But the naturalization process, we're all familiar with it. There's somebody who happens to be born somewhere else and they want to live in another country. They want to become a citizen. They want voting rights and everything that comes with full citizenship. And there is a process of naturalization where you become accustomed and understand what it means to be a citizen and have full rights and benefits. And there are some things that you get. That if you're not educated on it, it, they're yours and you miss out. And so part of what the Holy Spirit does with us is when we place our faith in Christ, man, we've stepped over. We are in Christ. We are in his kingdom. But we still need to learn what this means, what this is all about. And initially, for most of us, unless we kind of grow up in church and we're kind of watching on the outside and we kind of see Maybe an idea of how this kind of goes. For most of us, we're like, all right, I want to do this Christ follower thing, but I don't fully understand this. Some of this stuff feels unnatural. So in this naturalization process that the Holy Spirit carries us through, where we're learning what it means to be in Christ and the benefits that come with that, then there's this moment where things are awkward. Things just don't feel normal. They don't feel, you, you know you're not going to operate on the old system, but we're still trying to figure out the new system. I recently updated my computer pro, my computer operating stuff to Windows 10. I'm still undecided if that was a good idea or not. And so I did it. It's done. And, uh, and you know, and so initially I go to find stuff and it took me a minute to try to figure out where things were. And there was a little tutorial because I needed a naturalization process on coming into the new windows and to just figure it out. And the Holy Spirit helps us. We all have had those those weird, awkward moments. You remember your first day of middle school? Ooh, why in the world does middle school have to happen? It's like the strangest, weirdest, most awkward point in life, period. 
And you're used to this super regimented elementary age where everything is there and then and everything's lined out for you. And then all of a sudden you have a little freedom. And you, whether you're, if you're a sixth grader, then there are eighth graders that look like, you know, that they should drove themselves to school. They've got full beards. You're like, what happened here? I'm just, I'm still just a little kid and I'm going to school with these grown men. That somehow the hormones got going early. And everything's just odd. Everything's just weird. And you have this odd moment. And you, you walk in. And I tell you what. For me growing up in Odessa. It was 7th grade was that first year. And if there's any year that I could just erase from my mind. It would be 7th grade. 7th grade was just, it was just painful. It was just hard. Because it was so incredibly awkward. But guess what? Guess what comes after seventh grade? Eighth grade. And you know what? And you look at the new seventh graders and you're like, I don't know that I'm fully into this, but I ain't that awkward. I'm not that. And maybe I have grown a little bit. Maybe things are. I can show some ropes to some of these new guys and I can help them along. And I don't feel like I'm maybe where I should be, but things aren't as Things aren't as weird for me anymore. I'm, I'm comfortable here. This is, this is my campus now, and I'm okay with that. And I grow in that. And so what I want to encourage you, as whether you're new to being serious about your relationship with God, whether God's got you on, the, on the, the, the edge of growing something new, you've been walking with God for a long time, but guess what? He takes us from faith to faith, from glory to glory, that any time we hit that new, there's this awkward moment and today what I want to do is for us to on purpose embrace the awkward embrace it almost all of us want to run from it we hit awkward no no we we don't like it we go to hang out with that new group of people we go to that we get invited to that certain event and all of a sudden, you don't quite know how things are supposed to go, and it is completely uncomfortable. You sit down at the fancy dinner, and they put more silverware in front of you than you have in your house. And you're like, all of a sudden, I don't want to eat anymore. Because I used the wrong one on the wrong course, and everybody looks at me finally. Like, Forget that. I'm going to Logan's. Forget that. I'm going someplace I can eat the whole thing with my hands. I don't have to worry about any of that mess. Why? Because it's less awkward. And you are never going to fully grow in Christ unless you get to this place that you begin to trust God enough to let Him carry you forward into some awkward places and some awkward moments until you're ready to embrace the awkward. That's one thing I have such an amazing respect for people who are willing to to, to uproot their lives and come to another country and begin to learn an entire new system because they're so excited about the opportunities and they come in and they're willing to embrace the awkward. They know they're going to do things wrong the first time. They know they're going to have to learn some new things and some new systems. They know it. And they're willing to do it. You and I, man, I'm telling you, our growth Our growth trajectory is limitless if we will not be intimidated of the awkward. Because guess what? God is not going to leave you there. Let's look at Romans chapter 12. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, 
in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Okay? We're brothers. We're already part of the family. Okay? This isn't something to try to earn salvation from God. This is how we do this, by offering ourselves fully to God. No, we're already his children. He's referencing his brothers. He says, this is, what, this is what real spiritual worship is, is he's made us right with God. Now just give him your whole self. You're his. Just, just let him have it. Just let him do it. And we come back to this moment every time, and we're going to do it again, that this whole thing you will get off if you don't build the window frame that it tells us to build and say, in view of God's mercy. If I was to take a picture and you looked in the background and you saw in view that I stood in view of the Eiffel Tower, you would know I was where? In France, in Paris. If there were some ginormous uh, rock heads of former presidents in view of my picture, you would know I was located. There you go. If I was sitting there and you saw the Statue of Liberty, you, you would know where I was operating, where I existed, what nation, what place, what domain I was there. You need to, every time we come back to this, to build that paradigm and that view. Every snapshot of your life needs to be built in the view of God's mercy. Every piece of it needs to be there. We'll miss out, we'll, we'll build, something, build something else if we look at it through any other angle. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the tension between getting back into our old habits, what came natural to when our selfdom was outside the kingdom, the, the world's processes, what the tension there isn't so much our immediate behavior. Our behavior is the outgrowth of our thoughts, of our thought process. He says, doesn't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let, let God change the way you think. The naturalization process happens internally. It's not viewing what other Christians are doing and trying to copy that. It's not sitting there and go, well, man, that guy's got a really big Bible, and he seems like he's got his stuff together. I just need to get me a really big Bible. Or, man, that guy, he dresses like this, so I need to do that. Or, that guy does this or this. Well, no, what we need to do is allow the Holy Spirit to have access into our lives. And the Holy Spirit begin to just speak and say, we need to deal with this moment. We need to deal with this moment. Well, let's, <clears throat> let's transform this. Because then once this happens, then you're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is. We all know what happens at the end of the naturalization process. Well, at the very end, there's this little swearing in and whatnot, but there's, there's a test that you sit there and you go through. You're able to recognize, and hey, I know that. I understand this. I understand this process. Here's the three branches of government. This is how this whole new place I live works. Then as we allow our minds to be renewed we understand how it works and we're going to be able to talk about what God's will is his good his pleasing and perfect will Romans 14 17 says for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking it's not a matter of our normal the normal stuff we think of as the regular kingdom stuff there's something God's working on a different level his kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness 
peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what his kingdom is about. As we allow him to renew our minds, we're going to begin to not get so wrapped up in all of daily life and allow him to begin to renew our minds and change us from the inside. And then slowly but surely, some of that external stuff begins to line up. But we give him permission to work on the inside first. See, God desires to continually, continually grow us from the inside out. This growth is in the area of our mind, our will, and our emotions, also known as our soul. Our spirit, man, boom, heaven ready. Jesus makes us 100%, our faith in him makes us 100% right with God. But there's some renewing of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our soul needs this place where it allows the cleansing of the spirit to come in and transform us and shift us. And this thing that's maturing in our souls, it's going to affect every area of our lives. If you've been around Celebration Church for any real length of time, you've more than likely heard me share this story, but there's nothing that makes it more poignant to me than this. And uh, I, when I first heard the story of the old circus bear that had been in part of this traveling circus, and when he was initially caught, he was ferocious. I mean, he was just this huge attraction, and people would come to see this bear in this cage, and he would roar, and he would yell, and he was angry. He was, he was created to live in the wild and to forage and to live his bear life, and somebody put him in bondage and used him to sell tickets. And he was mad about it. And the more mad he was, the more tickets they sold. And sat there and he was able to be a part of this was this big attraction. But as a period of time went by, this bear begins to get numb. Begins to just kind of deal with it. This must just be my life now. He wasn't as fun to look at anymore. He wasn't as fun. Not everybody gets freaked out like my little Colin. My Colin went, my little four-year-old went to the Abilene Zoo and the bear was hibernating. And it moved its paw. And freaked her out. She's like, peace, I'm out, I'm done. I'm done with the zoo, I hate the zoo, I'm out of here. The little one, Preslin, she was like, that's awesome. She loved it and she, she just thoroughly enjoyed it. But Colin, she didn't like it. Well, most of us aren't freaked out by a little paw wave. Need something a little more intense. So pretty soon they start poking the bear. They start messing with him and getting him riled up. They have to work him into an anger. And then he's the attraction. Here's this powerhouse of an animal that people can stand there on the safety of these, of these bars and begin to look at this animal. Then pretty soon, time goes by. Poking don't bother him. He just begins. And finally his coping mechanism is that he's in his little cage. And he begins to walk three steps to the end. And flip around and walk three steps to the other end. He was mistreated, and that was just how he did it. He just kept his head down and just dealt with it. didn't matter what was going on. That was his coping mechanism, just ignore life and just go on. He would walk three steps forward, turn around, walk three steps back. Mean person even took some hamburger meat, put some broken glass in it, and fed it to him. That almost killed him, but the resilient bear didn't die. And finally, he, there was just nothing but a f- part of the feed bill. Wasn't interesting to look at, and 
circus was ready to part with him, and a compassionate person said, hey, I want to buy that bear. We're going to buy this bear. We're going to set this bear free. So this bear, that everybody knew the legends of how ferocious this bear was at first, and they take his cage, and they carry him out into a woods where they know there are other bears he can connect with, and they open his cage, and everybody's at their safe positions because they don't know what this bear's going to do. And this bear walks, and he does his thing, and he walks his three steps, and he comes to the other end of his cage, and there are no bars. The bars he'd seen his whole life are gone. So he sticks his nose out. He walks down the ramp, goes down. He's just out standing in the woods, wide open and as free as any bear in the world. And he drops his head, and he walks three steps forward, and he walks three steps back. And he walks three steps forward, and he walks three steps back. And they observe him for a few hours and see He's just as caged on the inside as he ever was on the outside. And from a heart of compassion, so he didn't starve to death, they put the bear down and buried him in the woods. And every time, every time I think of that story, I'm moved. Not as much because of the bear, but because of us. Life can whoop on us and beat us, and we find our coping mechanisms, whatever that might be. And as soon as we say yes to Jesus, we step over into freedom, and it's not just one part of the cage come, all the bars fall. We are free in Christ in that moment. But if we do not allow the Holy Spirit to come in and reveal to us how free we are, then our freedom will feel as unnatural to us as that bear's freedom felt to him. And he will live and then walk around in an imaginary cage and stay just as bound up as ever. Part of us fully coming into the kingdom isn't simply embracing the amazing free gift of salvation. That is the beginning. That is the beginning We're heaven ready. We're there. But God has so much more in store for us than that. And we're going to have to let him work on the inside. About to read 3 John 1, 2. John was an amazing guy. Had firsthand connections with Jesus' ministry. He's an old, old man at this time. Lived a long, long time which had tried to be killed multiple, multiple times. And he just, he just wouldn't die. Just wouldn't die. And here he is in the fullness of the maturity. He saw Jesus and walked with Jesus. He saw the crucifixion. He saw the dealt with the bodily resurrected Jesus. He saw the, the axe thing where the new church exploded onto the scene. He saw the, the, the teachings and the ministries of Paul and Peter. He saw the church begin to expand in his known universe. And he's saying something here at the end of his life. And I think it's pretty important when a man like that wants to tell us something. And he says, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you 
even as your soul is getting along well. The modern King James Version says, Beloved, in regard to all things. If you can get this down, this is going to affect every area of your life. I've seen it all. Let's let, this is going to, if I'm going to give you one chunk of advice, let's let this happen right here. I pray that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. As you allow the completed work of what Jesus has done, allow the ministry of the Holy Spirit to change your mind, the way you think, your will, what you're choosing, and your emotions. All of those complex things. You allow those things to be renewed. It's going to affect every area of your life. It's going to change it all. All of it. See, the Holy Spirit leads us through this naturalization process by revealing the things that already belong to us. By showing us the things that already belong to us. Every time we go to the store, we make a little mental inventory of what's already in the fridge and the pantry. Why? Because we don't want to go buy something we already have. We don't want to. We don't want to go out and do it. We need to know what already belongs to us. And the Holy Spirit here is showing you, here are the benefits. Here's what it means to be in Christ. We begin to see this thing where we understand that we have to allow our old systems to leave. Our old thought processes to leave. And allow God's way to be our way. Paul speaks to the believers in Corinth. Here in the second chapter, verse 9, it says, However, as it is written, no eye has seen No ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. It's bigger than your natural mind can wrap around. They don't come up with it. They don't fabricate it. They don't go as far as God wants to go. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. You don't get it any other way. You have to allow His Spirit to make it alive to you. Until it becomes alive in your spirit, it can be this theoretical head knowledge, but you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal it and come alive on the inside of you. See, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men know the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? Only you know your thoughts. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And guess what? We have the Spirit of God. Therefore, we can understand and we can have revealed the thoughts of God directly to us. We've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given to us. And then Paul speaks to the Ephesians, coaches him along similar lines. He tells them, I keep asking asking that the God of our Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, So that you may know Him better. That's what we're about. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In order that you may know the hope in which He has called you. It already exists. The riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. What already belongs to you as a believer. And His incomparably great power for us who believe. And then here's a letter to Colossians. You think Paul kind of wants everybody to get a hold of this concept? It says, for this reason, since the day that I've heard about you, we've not only stopped, <coughs> we have not stopped 
praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. See, naturalization takes place as we begin to think what God thinks. We begin, somebody becomes and is able to operate fully as an American when we understand what it means to be and live in a constitutional democracy. And to be able to think that way and integrate that way. You and I, when we begin to think what God thinks, Mark 8, Jesus lets us know. He says, then he called the crowd to him and <clears throat> along with his disciples. And he says, if anyone wants to come after me, you're going to pursue me. You're going you're to go this direction with me. He must deny himself. What? His old ways of doing things. And take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me, the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world? Yet forfeit his own soul. And what can a man give in exchange for it? 2 Corinthians 10. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. This is different. This isn't, this is God's way of doing things. His way of connecting is different. It says, on the contrary, they have divine power for demolishing strongholds. That sounds so awesome. They have these spiritual strongholds, these, these demons and all these bad people and uh, bad countries and all this bad stuff in our world. And God's going to demolish them, right? Oh, it's these strongholds we come up against all the time. Wait a second. Let's keep reading. It says, we demolish arguments. These ideas, conflicting ideas that conflict with God's nature and who he is. And every pretension, these pretense, these, these, these constructs that we think through, that set itself up against what? The knowledge of God. That's that place. That's where his power is at work. Those are the strongholds he's destroying. It's these things within our own minds where we view God and we view one another and we view this life in him wrong. And we allow him to come in and to change us. And we have a true knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient or submitted or to operate well within the kingdom of God. Make every thought a citizen, a well-functioning citizen of heaven. Make it work within that heavenly construct. As you are growing and dealing with the awkwardness of what it means to follow Him, allow the Holy Spirit to help shift. And pretty soon we will find out that what was so unnatural becomes natural. Why? Because it becomes part of it. It's not something we're doing and forcing on the outside. It's something we are on the inside. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives it generously to all without finding fault. One translation says, without reproach. He doesn't pick on you. He doesn't say, ah, I can't believe you didn't know that already. I can't believe you've been so foolish. God doesn't chew you out before he finally drops the nugget of wisdom on you. He just gives it freely. 
You say, God, I'm stuck here. I feel awkward here. My old system, my old self wants to go in this direction, but I see in your word and I sense in your spirit that this is destructive, but everything within me wants to go this way, and, and I don't know how to go your way. Give me some wisdom. Show me, God. And he'll show you. See, our bottom line today is we naturally live as Christians, as Christ followers, as God's nature is our nature. But let the Holy Spirit take you through that kingdom naturalization process where you begin to learn his ways, which are higher than yours. Begin to learn his thoughts, which are higher than yours. And you begin to then shift. And understand that we live in this frame of mercy and grace while we're in process. God doesn't deport us because we're struggling a little bit in this process. We're made right with him. So here's my challenge to you, all of you, all of us. Maybe you're here today and you just tagged along and you're not even a Christ follower, okay? I'm gonna, you, I want you to just even embrace this on some level. That the next time that there's tension between your old way of doing things and your old and that the Holy Spirit reveals a better way of life, a better life choice. And you feel, oh, you don't even know quite how to execute it. You don't quite know how to do any of it. And there's that tension. I want to challenge you to make the decision in this moment that you're going to dare to trust God and walk through the awkward. In his direction. I'm telling you if you'll do that. I'm, it will revolutionize. It's okay if you. Bobble it a little bit. It's okay if it's not executed perfectly. Just, just move in that direction. Every time that there's that tension. Then that lets our old self. The selfdom. Come into this place of his kingdom. And you'll find your life. Completely transformed. Moment by moment, day by day, as you let the Holy Spirit guide you. Folks, let's choose to allow God's nature to grow in our lives, in our selfdoms. And we reveal who He is in our world. I want to create a quiet moment right here. If you're here on the outside looking in, you're like, Brandon, I always thought that this being a Christian thing was about doing all of this religious stuff, about going to church and and praying and singing songs and all this. And I recognize now that it's simply about understanding what Jesus did, that I need a Savior and Jesus is Him. That Jesus did it all. Jesus makes me right with God. Not what I do or plan to do, but what Jesus did. And I believe that today. And if you believe that, then right here in this moment, you've stepped over from death into life. You've simply grabbed a hold of it by faith. And I want you to recognize that. Raising your hand isn't what makes it happen. It's your faith. Do you trust in Him? Well, I want you, if that's you this morning, I want you to just lift your hand. We can connect with you. If that's you this morning, you want to place your faith in Christ. Awesome. Believers, I ask you to just pray. I ask you to just pray with these. If you're in T9, just connect with us and pray along. 
Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love for me. I thank you for what Jesus has done. I believe today that Jesus is enough. That his death covers my death. And his life is my life. My life is yours. I give you permission to change me from the inside out. And I thank you for loving me in the process. In Jesus' name.